Welcome to Sad Styles Productions. Let me run you through our daily specials. On Tuesday, relive your childhood gaming memories on the Retrograde Podcast. On Thursday, the Jackass crew relives the pain and glory of the TV show Jackass. Also on Thursday, Mikey and Brian let you in on all the secrets of sports marketing on the sign-off, a Frameworth podcast. On Fridays, losing money with Andrew Baskin helps satisfy your 20-minute sports gambling fix. Keep your hands inside the car at all times. Enjoy the ride. Get into it. Coming up... A Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mike Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off, a Frameworth podcast for yet another week. And this is our first two-parter. So I'm yes. excited to be joined in studio once again by Gus Bedali. If you haven't heard part one of our interview, absolutely fascinating stuff. We literally realized midway through recording that we just had too many questions and stories to tell. We had to split it up into a second one that we being myself and Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth, who is uh, joining me as well, my uh, my loyal What host. I would recommend is pause now, go back and listen to episode one because it's going to bring you up to date like we were so enthralled with episode one we just wanted to keep Gus here and and finish the story and I'm sure it take three and four episodes to finish the story but we've had we've had a lot of good guests on this podcast uh uh but uh Gus I think you're uh you're you're taking it as as one of the most interesting storytellers the 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 ways in which like my fascination as I mentioned in the first episode comes with the the background workings of the league. I love to hear the locker room stories, sure, but I love the perspective of the people who are kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. Uh, and and you know, a lot of the times when you hear that term, pulling the strings, you think there's almost something uh, 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 evil or manipulative about it. But that's not you. You got into this industry looking to help out kids who are trying to get into this world, this world, uh, and, and put them on the, on the, the best direction. Uh, as you mentioned on the last episode, not because you wanted something out of it. You know, we talked about John Tonelli and how he made less money on his NHL contract because you thought that that would be better for him. You know, less money for him means less money for you. And I'm so excited to see how that process played out with, uh, some of the other names that you've dealt with Gus Bedali, as, as, uh, as, as we mentioned on the last episode, uh, uh, famous, uh, ambassador and agent to the likes of, uh, Wayne Gretzky, you've worked with Mario Lemieux, you've worked with Paul Coffey. And Dale Howardtruck. And Dale Howardtruck is another famous and popular one as well. Uh, tons of, like, it was one of those, you know, when when I'm, I'm thinking of the players to name, uh, it's impossible not to leave a lot out because you have had relationships with, with a lot of these players. Now, um, we left off uh, talking about the, the, the initial signing and contract dispute between John Tonelli, the NHL, and the WHA. His eventual move to the NHL, and then your uh, continued relationship with him, the budding relationship with the NHL after a, uh, a, a lawsuit dispute with Harold Ballard and a lot of the other players. Like, I, the summary is too much. As my dad said, go back and listen. But uh, Gus, let's let's get back into it. I'd love to hear how the story continued. Um, you know, after your, your dealings with uh, John Tonelli, this would have been about 78 or so. At this point in time, there was a pretty famous kid growing up in the ranks uh, by the name of Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know, a lot of people may wonder how you initially came to know him when he showed up on your radar. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, everything again, uh, by accident, uh, Gordie Howe was a, became a friend, which I was lucky to be. Sure. <laughs> he had a son that wanted to play in Toronto. Uh, he asked me if uh, if my son Murray was going to play in Toronto, would you billet him? Yeah. I said, well, I talked to my wife and she said it was fine with her. Mm-hmm. I already had three boys at home. Sure. And 
billeting, billeting for those who don't know, because I actually was unfamiliar. That's just the term for you essentially providing room and board for the player who would yeah. be coming playing. Who's coming area. from out yeah. of town? Yeah. yeah, right. And uh, they went to school in the area where we lived. Yeah, Murray billeted with us, and Seneca College wasn't very far away, and it wasn't far for me to go to sit watch him play. Sure. So even though I was really busy watching a lot of other players from Tuesday to Sunday, Murray was playing on a Monday. And I thought, oh, I got to support Murray, you know, to go on to watch him play. So I would go. And I heard the name Wayne Gretzky, but I'd never seen him play. So I went another Monday to see Murray play again, and Gretzky's standing out. And I went to thirds, and I thought, this kid's a pretty good hockey player. <laughs> he's small. Yeah. But I tell you, he's... He's dynamite. At this point, was he as dominant or was he just noticeably better, not quite the great one yet? He Oh, he wasn't quite the great one yet. <laughs> However, after the third time, I knew the general manager, Sam McMaster. So I said hello to him and, uh, you know, I said, how do you think Murray's doing? Oh, Murray's doing pretty good. You know, guess he's, he's, I don't think he's an NHLer, but. Sure. You, you know, you could tell that, unfortunately, Murray okay. wasn't going to be an NHLer, but his effort and everything and his pedigree, you never know. So uh, he says, well, uh, Walter Gretzky is here tonight. Would you like to to meet him and Wayne? I says, yeah, I'd love to. So I met Walter and Wayne that night. And uh, from there on, I invited them to uh, dinner at our place to to meet my family. Okay. That was a smart get, move. Get pretty chat, smart. That that may have paid off a little bit. Yeah, chat about... Uh, Maybe representing Wayne. I said, well, he's only 15 years old. And I says, well, he's playing junior B. I, I would not go and watch anybody that was playing less than junior B. Uh, was that a, a principal? or That or, was a principal. Yeah. Yeah. But if he was good enough to be playing with against 20-year-olds and holding his own, I'm interested in this young man. You're not so going to purposely ignore him. You're talking about dominant. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, he's 15 playing against 20-year-olds. Yes. So he's not going to dominate like he would as a 20-year-old playing against 20-year-olds, yeah. right? However... But he was good enough. He was yeah. he was still pretty dominant. And I so I kept going to watch him. And then I just had the invitation for dinner. And it's really ironic. After dinner, uh, Walter's youngest son, Brent, and my youngest son were around, were the same age. They wanted to go down in the basement and play a little bit of ho- stick hockey down there. Oh, nice. But they came up shortly after her, and, and my son had cast... Oh. Brent Coffee first did this. Oh, oh no. <laughs> we had to take we had to take him to the hospital. Nearly the end and of your I relationship. And kind of says, "Oh, well, that's sure going to help." Yeah, <laughs> get you a signature. For <laughs> but that's how I I first saw Wayne Gretzky, and then I followed him every Monday night. And this young man was just unbelievable. I mean, he played against twenty year old. So he was playing for who at the time? Seneca he, Nats. He was playing Junior, for Seneca yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. With well, okay. So with, with Murray. With, with Murray. Okay. Yeah. I didn't that, realize that's that. the only reason I went out. Okay. So you're going to see Murray and Wayne was on that team. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And he just stood out to me, but he was like small and but he was so puck sense was just way out of whack. The intelligence. He was incredible. Now, at this, at this point, uh, you know, obviously you're talking to his dad, Walter. Uh, was it kind of clear, based on the fact that he was coming to you, that eventually you would be involved in his, in his uh, agency? Or? I, I, think, I think the thing that probably tempted him to, to be interested in me is because of the Ted Alley situation. Right. Oh, I, I fascinating. Really think, 
I think Walter was saying to himself, well, I want a man that really is on my side right. all the way right, and not out for himself. Right. Okay, and he's coming to look at my young young boy at this age, and I'm hearing, st- and he's hearing stories. Well, the kid's pretty good, but he's too small. Sure. You know, he's not you know, going anywhere. And that's what I heard after I started to represent him. The more I was going to watch him play, and the more I was hearing from hockey experts. Yeah. Like kids that were, scouts that were going to draft. Kid's good, but he's, he's too small. Can't skate. Not a good shot. Not big enough. Wow. He's dominating here, but he, he won't dominate in the OHL. No, because of this, was he being pursued by anyone else who was attempting? No, no eh? So, so this was this was just your. There was nobody else. Wow. Well, let me ask you this, because now let's put this in perspective. I'm thinking around that time. I mean, now everybody's become an agent. Like if they know a hockey player, they get their try and get their license. They become an agent so they can sure. represent. Because one player can make you rich. Right. Um, how many? How many? Uh, I would say prominent agents were there in the game at the time. There was probably maybe six. Right. Okay. So, so there, there wasn't flooded with everybody and every, you know, no. you know, one agency like CAA might have five or 10 guys representing players. And, yeah. uh, um, but, but there was like five or six at the time. At the time, and I think. Who, you, who was the biggest one beside Alan you? Eagleson, Alan maybe? Eagleson, maybe? Yeah. Uh, okay. So it was and you and there Alan. Was a guy named Kaplan out of Montreal. Right, so those um, are the big Kaplan ones. and Kaminsky, okay. and I don't know. And the guys like Donnie Meehan came after. Yeah, that was after. Yeah. Okay. And All Alan right. Eagleson so at the time, I believe, was he, wasn't he also working for the NHLPA? Which I don't know that we yes, get. He was. Yeah, I don't know oh, that yeah. you get that very often anymore. Yeah. If you oh, even yeah. could, I don't think you can. It. Right, I think there's right. a conflict there. No, there, there was a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well that turned as, out as to be a pretty big. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Yeah. Episode. Um, so, so uh, at this point, you're getting in, in tight with, with Wayne. He's Wayne. 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, what, what happens over the next couple of years? How are people starting to knock on your door? What's his, you know, the WHA is oh, no, no, not, no, not, not yet. Not at, at this level. At what points do people start to realize size aside, he's, he's definitely going well, places. He was drafted number three in the OHL. Right. But I won't mention the name of the, the person uh, and team that had the second pick that <laughs> I was well, it's a common knowledge. You can mention it. it, it you for, can just look it up. For my think, curiosity. I'm starting to forget his name, but he was. Uh, oh, okay. So um, what was the team? Do you remember? I think he was with Niagara Falls. Okay. That was, sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Niagara he used Falls. to own, was one of the owners, I believe, of the Barry, Fly, Barry Flyers at the time. But then he was the owner of uh, Niagara Falls. Okay. Okay. And he didn't know this was a playoff game that Wayne's playing against. I think it was the Waterloo Siskins who Average age was practically 20. Right. And here's Wayne, and, and the average age for the Seneca Nets wasn't anywhere near. And uh, I heard this fellow behind me talking to him. He was a full house at the small rink. And he says, well, I got the second pick, but I'm not picking that kid, Wayne Gracie. I don't care how, how good they say he is. He's too small. Uh, do you remember who went before him? I do. Who, who would that have been? Yeah. This young man deserved to probably be number two because he was playing major eight. And he was an underage kid, and you were allowed to play if your team had a major junior A team in that town where you lived. You were able to play as an underage, and that was Peterborough Pete's. Mm. And the young man's name was Steve Peters. Yeah. 
That's number two pick? That's number two. That was the number two pick. Who was number one that year? And the number one pick deserved to be number one in all capacities was... uh, Tom McCarthy. Tom McCarthy, who was big, playing tier two, a level up, was big and dominant and deserved to be the number one pick. That's interesting. In my mind, I'm saying, who the hell passed up Wayne? Yeah. And there's two two guys that did and two teams that did that could have been... Like gold, but anyway. And, you know, I was kind of like, he doesn't know who I am. I'm raised underneath him, and I thought, oh, what a mistake. Yeah. And it's probably at that one game. Oh, one of the things was he's not tough enough. For, for Wayne. One of those games against the Wild Roosters, I'll never forget, these guys were beating the crap out of him. And to this day, Wayne will always say, oh, well, corners were for bus stops. <laughs> that was so untrue. Yeah. He would go in the corners. Yes. And he was getting manhandled by 20-year-olds, not only on their age, but they were big. Was this so that they could prove a point, like you shouldn't well, be playing him? Because he, oh, he, he was a target. He yeah, that's be, right. He could he be had. Tar- and it was uh, Oshawa first pick, Niagara Falls second. Okay, yeah. Oshawa. Yeah. yeah. They would have been put in jail for what they were doing sure. to him on the ice. Sure. And I always would tell everybody, what's toughness? I says, I mean, I'm going to be tough because uh, – there's a bus coming and I'm going to stand in front of him. Right. Wayne Gretzky is going to evade. He's got the talent to, to, to walk exactly. skate circles around the guy. And that's toughness. Yeah. He's not backing down. He's just outsmarting you. For sure. Right. It's mental toughness, right? Right. Mental yeah. toughness. Yeah. And I'll go back to a player that I, I loved. His name was Dave Keon, who you mentioned. Sure. Yes. Sure. He was a small guy, but he'd come out of the corners with the puck. A well, uh, I'll tell you, you just a, a, an aside. Yeah. Because you mentioned toughness. The first time I ever met Sidney Crosby's parents and Sidney Crosby was in Ramouski. And it was a game that that hit TSN and all the broadcasts because Sidney, and he was he was a tough guy. Yeah. He's a guy that could go into every corner and still does probably the best corner man I've ever seen go in and come out with yeah. a puck um, by brute strength. And um, But he was being just killed. They were targeting him. And I know Troy, his dad, was just furious that there was that they were letting this happen. Not to say that he was trying to protect his son. It was just brutal what was going on there, and they weren't calling it, and his teammates didn't come, you know, at the time. So yeah. those were so that was my first experience. And now you're talking about Wayne. Yeah. So those great players, they're going after. Yeah. And um, and Wayne didn't have Sydney's size or, no. or strength I, at the I, time. Absolutely. So, yeah. But he never backed down. No. And I say that was. When I ever heard the word toughness, I just yeah get so it's, irritated. It should mean more things than yeah, just well, there's strong. mental toughness it's, and exactly. physical. Toughness. That's right, exactly. Right. And thankfully, he learned that part of the game. Uh, uh, how much of that, like you know, after a game where he's just getting essentially picked on? I mean, you're you're talking to Walter. I'm assuming you're pretty close to the family at this point. What's going through Walter's head at this point? Well, he's he's nervous about it, but yeah, but he's he's not going to tell Wayne. You know, be careful. I never sure. ever heard Walter say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a big plus in my mind. That I, but irritated me to hear these hockey people. Of course, say, he can't skate. Not a tough. Not tough enough. Doesn't have a big shot. Well, history. He'll never. He'll never be a good junior A player, let alone be a pro. History's proven them wrong. I mean, how many years into uh, his tenure in the OHL was was it then becoming apparent? I mean, at at this point, he's he a couple of years have gone by. Is he is he now starting to get on people's radar? Are you now well, getting your door knocked on? It took about seven years 
for him to get on the NHL radar. Right. Radar. Because uh, I'm jumping ahead again. Well, he's on Sault Ste. Marie at the time. <clears throat> Sault yeah. Ste. Marie picked him number three, which was Angelo Bumbacco, who was a good hockey man. Yeah. Didn't believe in that crap that other people were saying. Yeah. However, there was going to be a roadblock because Walter and Phyllis didn't want Wayne going that far up. Oh. There was a situation where Hal Eagleson represented uh, Reinhardt. He lived in Kitchener. And Reinhardt refused to go to Peterborough and drafted him number. And uh, even Al Eagleson couldn't do anything to get him to play right away. So Peterborough sat him out for two months. So that was in my mind when Walter and Phyllis didn't want him to go to Sault Ste. Marie. I could understand the reason. Sure. It was too far away. Right. And uh, they were worried about his schooling. and Kind of like to see a few more games, too. Yeah. yeah. Fair. From what I got with the Reinhardt situation was I told Angelo, look, at, you signed him, but I says, but he doesn't really want to come up. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to invite us up to show us your operation, yeah, your schooling situation, and what you can do for this young player. Sure. Being this far away from home. Angelo did that. We went up there, and Wayne was taken off to show him the surroundings and the situation with schooling and everything. And they still didn't want Wayne to go up there. They said to Walter and... Because of the situation that Reinhardt did, I really think it's wrong to at least give Sault Ste. Marie a chance. Sure. That if he goes up there and after two months he doesn't like it and you don't like the yeah. situation, yeah. then I have a, a valid reason to try to get him out. As even though to... you were not allowed to to uh, trade your first round pick right. at the time. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. This yeah. way, by doing that, I don't want Wayne to sit out two months. Yeah, yeah. But let's go up there, give him a chance, and then I kind of have a valid reason. Right. If it doesn't work out. His schooling's not good. He's not happy. He's really this, this, and that. He he had, saw, knew some people up there that billeted him, and he was having an un- unbelievable year. And luckily, he stayed. Yeah, and he's 16 at the time. Is that correct? He's 16 at yeah. the time. However, it wasn't all glory because this new coach, towards the latter part of the season, I got a call from Walter. Guess, Wayne's not happy. Why? He's he's doing great. He's playing great. Yeah. Team's doing good. Yeah. Coach is trying to take away his anticipation. Take away his anticipation? I says, you're kidding me. I says, Walter, you might as well take out his eyes. Right. He says, yeah, I'm really sure. I says, when is next game? What's his next game? He says, it's uh, in Sudbury. I says, okay, I'll fly up. I want to see for myself. So I flew up. I could see what Walter was saying. Yeah. Coach wanted to be. Play a system that wasn't good for Wayne. He wanted to be more most. Oh, okay. Oh. One of these coaches. Yeah. That, hey, I'm the headliner here. Not you. And I mean, Wayne became known for his saying, go to where the puck's going to be, not where it is, right? I mean, that is his anticipation, anticipation, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Mean, his, his puck sense is, was, is what makes was, him. Was the best anywhere. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, because of those reasons. Yeah. And that's why he didn't get hit. Yeah, exactly. But he did get hit. And if I can just even go back to that, I had a player, Mike Bullard, who was a close friend of Wayne's. Right. Because Mike Bullard was playing in uh, Brantford, was uh, had a major junior A team at sure. the time, and I I said to Mike Bullard once I said, 
you know, it's, I'm getting irritated by people coming up to me saying, Gus, is, is there a rule in the NHL? I'm going down to the NHL, let alone OHL, who had more goons in junior hockey yeah, sure. ever, ever. Right. One team had six on the Oof. Hamilton Fin Cups. Oh, wow. One team had six guys who could go to jail for what they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where did I go? I, I'm coming off here. Well, you're talking about uh, the coach who was, who was trying yeah. to take away his and anticipation. So I there. saw it, and I talked to Angelo. I said, I don't usually like to involve yourself with involve the coaching. Involve myself yeah. in this, but Angelo didn't disagree. Right. And I said, well, Angelo, he's he's going to come home. Yeah. He's he's that unhappy. Angelo was able to manage to get him to finish the season. With that coach. With that coach. And they had a, they had a shot of uh, winning the division. Yeah. In the same coach, uh, I drove out to Ottawa. They were playing Ottawa in the final, semifinals or finals. I go drive all the way out there, and then I see two of the best players that were on the Sault Ste. Marie team were dressed in their civvies and the warm-ups on. Talked to Wayne after. He says, why weren't those guys playing? Yeah. It's an important game. You sure. win this game and you go back to Sault Ste. Marie, you got a chance to beat them. He says, well, they were five minutes late for the bus. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They didn't punish the kids. They punished your the team. team. The yeah. whole team. And that was... That was his mentality. I mean, it's it's the coach that wants to be the center of attention. Um, uh, it's which is a shame. I mean, it could have been a whole different legacy for his for his junior career there. Yeah. But uh, uh, so he he spent some time in in the Sioux, obviously, and and uh, one of the and most lo- and loved it, which is great to hear, and especially after maybe not even giving. Oh, yeah, I'm going to try shot. and get one of Wayne's uh, autographed Sioux Saint Marie jersey. I got two of them, and I'm not giving. Them I was going to say, and they are, are gone through the roof price wise too. So. He, he loved he loved the people. He loved Angelo Jumbacko. Oh, no. Yeah. That was just, he's got to play. Yeah. You you take away my playing. Of course. Yeah. Now, now, at what point in, in his time with the Sioux do you start to talk to him about, you know, having to make an eventual decision on whether he's going NHL or going uh, to the WHA? At this point, had the NHL opened up their, their signing opportunities to kids who are under 20 years old? Well, what that situation did... In my thinking, the way hockey was played there with in the, in the OHL at the time, right, with as many guys that were goons, and I I shouldn't be that strong about it, but it was. Yeah, it's yeah. When he was seventeen, and I had a call from John Bass. Here's where here's where you get it again. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, at that time, John had collected, I think, uh, five to seven players. That we're going to play for the Birmingham Bulls. Sure. And John is is a uh, person that you were involved heavily yeah. with in the negotiations yeah. with John Tonelli. With the Toros. Now yeah. he's the owner of the Birmingham, Birmingham Bulls. Right. And John phones me up and he says, Guess uh, I've got five uh, junior A players. I'm paying them $50,000 to play in the WHA next year. And they're going to play for me. They're already signed. He says, uh, I'd like Wayne. I says, well, he's only 17. He says, well. I have I want, I like Wayne and I like another player you got. And I said, oh, who's that? Mike Gartner. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to win. Yeah, apparently. And I said, well, oh, John, I've, I've got to give this some thought and I got to talk to Walter. I talked to Walt. 
Walter and Wayne. And then I was going to talk to Mike Gartner and his parent, his parents. And then he's 17. The fact that he was getting beat up, the fact that what this coach almost did to him. Changed his playing career forever. It changed my attitude. Like, he's 17. He's still not big. Right, right. Well, I met with John in a Toronto restaurant. He says, well, I want those two players. Fifty. I says, John, I can't let them go for $50,000. You know, it's just... It's impossible. Yeah. He says, well, all the other guys are 50000 But I'll tell you what turned me off. It wasn't the $50,000. Is I was afraid these two players going to play there with five others, they might screw around. Oh. They got some money. Like lose their focus on the game. That's right. Oh. At times. Because they were all going together That's at the right. same age. Oh, at wow. At the same age wow. with a few bucks in their pocket. Fair, fair. In Birmingham, I did, didn't like the idea of it. I didn't like it. I didn't tell John that. Yeah. It was money. Yeah. Money was a factor. Yes, I can't afford it. And I said, John, I can't. So he, they weren't going to go there in my eyes. Sure. And I felt bad because I really admired this guy. Yeah. He, he actually gave me the start. I wouldn't have been an agent without him. And I just liked him a lot. But so you, you felt bad because you weren't exactly honest with why Wayne wasn't going. I wasn't honest with it. And, and is there a reason why you were worried about telling him your fears of, of six young kids? Doesn't that, it seems well, reasonable. Yeah, then he'd have some reason why it wouldn't happen oh, that fair, way. Fair, I fair, fair. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know why. But, but before the conversation was over, John says, well, I've got a couple of people I can call in the WHA sure. that might pay you what you want. Sure. So he was going to help you get those players to a different team well, and think compete about it. against him? Well, think about but it. But the they got to keep the league strong. The league does better if more players go over there. Right. I don't think they're as concerned about winning as they are well, about becoming as popular. You know who the, who the, the guy I'm going to meet? Tell me it's Nelson Scalbania. Nelson Scalbania. Amazing. I am so excited to get into he's, some conversations about him. Said, he says, guess I'll have Nelson give you a call. Nelson gives I don't know who he is. Yeah. He says, guess he doesn't know anything about hockey. <laughs> I said, kind of said under my breath, all the, be- all the better. Yeah. I think he was an engineer turned uh, oh. turned owner of, of a team. He just yeah, he had enough money. The, the yeah, high yeah. profile. Yeah, yeah. The reason was, he was a competitor against Nelson Scalbini and was the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, okay. They were, I call them friendly enemies. They hated each other, but... So each one was always trying to do each other. Right. So I called them friend, friendly enemies. So when you mentioned Edmonton, sorry, you, you said Scalbania. You mean Pocklington? Yeah. Yeah. Nelson Scalbania and Peter Pocklington were friendly enemies. Right. Oh, okay. right. Because yeah. Peter was the owner of the Oilers. Right. Right. Okay. Fair. Uh, so I'm talking to Nelson Scalbania at the hotel, and uh, he doesn't know anything about hockey. And next thing I know, uh, John is high on this kid, says so this kid's really good. And he's going to play for Indianapolis. He owns the Indianapolis. Team. Right, right. I said, uh, well, uh, you know, I'd like to negotiate with you on it. Uh, goes into pocket, comes up with his $100 bill. <laughs> he said, okay, I want you to bring Walt, uh, his father and his mother and you and me and to my house in uh, BC tomorrow. I said, we can't have Walter. Walter, Walter works. Yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of. Got commitments. I says, we can't do that. He says, okay, come out Saturday. <laughs> Gives me these $100 bills. <laughs> and I phone Walter. I says, Walter, guess where we're going? Where? 
He says, well, we're going to Vancouver. <laughs> you, me, Phyllis, and wait. So wow. he, know, he knows at this point, though, that the conversation with uh, with John about about joining, that's that's over and yeah. done with. He knows John's that, John's the right? one that phoned, phoned Nelson about Wayne. And, and Walter was aware of that at this point? No. They, oh, okay. No, okay. not until I got, had the meeting with okay. Nelson Scalvania. Then when I phoned him about, well, we're going to Vancouver. We're going. I said, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> he says, yeah, he says, he says, Gus, Phyllis and I don't like to fly. Oh. <laughs> I says, neither do I. <laughs> so we get on this plane, and we get picked up on a Rolls Royce by Nelson oh, Scalvania. Wow. And we're going to this mansion that's overlooking this view like you wouldn't believe. On the West Coast? On the West Coast. And uh, Nelson says, to, he says, has Wayne got any runners? He says, uh, I says, well, um, I don't know. He says, well, I want to take him for a run. Oh, Wayne, you, did you bring any sh- shorts and, a, and running shoes or anything? He says, yeah, I do. I have, Gus. He says, well, Walter wants to take you for a run. Okay. Nelson, so, Nelson, Nelson does. Nelson. Yeah, yeah. And, Nelson, and he said, I said, go for a run. He said, okay. Anyways, they go for a run. Yeah. And they're coming back. I don't know how long it took. But uh, Nelson's puffing him. And he apparently is a very good shape. Right. And Wayne beat him. <laughs> so he was really impressed with that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right off. He doesn't know anything old. about hockey, but he knows about <laughs> yeah, running. He knows no, how good a shape he's in. That was yeah. part of his test. Oh, sure. Really? Yeah. That was part of his test on this kid right off the bat. Yeah, I've never so, heard these stories even from Wayne. So, no. Oh, I no. Mean, yeah. He, he wouldn't maybe even remember. Well, well he'll, Wayne, he'll, Wayne he'll, will remember, he'll remember everything. He'll remember He that. remembers every little he'll detail, remember but that. he doesn't talk about it. Necessarily. No. So what was it ultimately that had you deciding, okay, I'm, I, you know, this guy's flashing a lot of money. He's, he's asking me down. Well, I don't know what place. he was flashing and I had no idea what I was even asking for. At the sure. Time. Sure. But I did come up with some figures. So we had dinner that night. We negotiated a, a little bit. I threw out some figures. Well, I want 250000 signing bonus, and I want, uh, I forget the numbers. Sure. Anyways, it come up to seven eighty five for four years. <sighs> okay. Now we're talking. He says, well, Gus, I got to sleep on this. I, you know, tell you what, we're going to take you tomorrow. I want to show you my offices and this and that. And he says, okay. So came back the next day. I said, you know, my, we haven't changed. In fact, I was, I think we, Need to add a little more to it. Wow, <laughs> good for you. That's 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 the so backbone. It's not Nelson's favor to be showing him all the the Rolls Royce and yeah. all that. and these expensive paintings. Right, right. You can and afford that. You can afford, you can afford my him. Boy. Yeah, and that's why I said there has to be something added. Everything in the figures read this is, but you got to give me one painting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking. That painting's worth that much today. How much is it worth down the road? Yeah. He says, Gus, I want to do this press conference in Edmonton, not in Vancouver. Oh, he wants wow. to do it in front of Peter Pock. Ah. Wow. <laughs> and but it's it's worth noting as well that the Oilers at this point in time were in the WHA. Yeah. They're the only team oh, yeah. that came oh, yeah. over oh, yeah. the they NHL were in the with WHA. Both. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Wayne was supposed to, was turned down by Winnipeg. Yeah. Wow. The GM made a huge mistake. Yeah. Anyways. I was hoping for the painting, but I was going to get my two two fifty signing bonus and the four year contract. Yeah, and it was uh, what's the word you said personal contract, personal services contract. That's what yeah, that's what he was going to give us a personal service. Okay, contract. so if he never played a game, 
Wayne would have to maybe wash the deck of his yacht. <laughs> but, but he'd still get paid. But he'd still, still get, get it. Paid. Right. He agreed to that, but not the painting. Ah, uh, that's was, too bad. That I was, was pissed. He that would have been a great He knew that, would, that was a throw-in <laughs> that he could negotiate out, I'm sure. So we're going to get that 250 signing bonus, all that kind of money, instead of that 50000 bucks a that, year for right. three or From four Birmingham. years. Right, yeah. right. And, and he doesn't have the other six players yeah. to worry about and dragging I'm him just down. Just putting one player there. Yes. Not not Mike Gartner. Right. Right. So we're we're flying back the next day, flying out to Edmonton, and uh, it's handwritten. The contract. And the, the contract's handwritten. You can see it. Uh, I think I got, it was, I got a book. I think it was at his restaurant. I'm not sure. And it was. It was in the Hall of Fame. I yeah. made the Hall of Fame for four months. Oh, there. You hey, go. there you I go. Was so tickled. That's that, amazing. To see that contract there, and it's a guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, now, in spite in spite of this signing, this enormous signing that you had negotiated, Wayne only played eight games in Indianapolis. Yeah. Was there what was the the reasoning behind that? Well, the, he uh, Scalbini was not drawing anything even with the eight games. Okay, but I got to tell you about the handwritten contract. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, well, the handwritten contract was. I read it, and I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> and I'm reading it, and. Uh, we're in the in the air at the time. There's one clause in here I don't really like. Excuse me. I felt it was a clause where it, he could get out of it. Nelson could. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought he could get out of it if it was signed that way. I said, I'd like, I'd like this one clause taken out. Uh, okay. But I can't rewrite it. I didn't bring my glasses. <laughs> I said, well, I can't do it either because I, I get motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Walter... Walter, he says, guess I'm already white knuckling it. I know. <laughs> oh, because he's afraid of flying. He's not. So yeah. I said, Wayne, you're the only one left. Wow. Oh, so, no. Really? So that, that's how Wayne. That's Wayne how, literally wrote re, his own contract. Rewrote it. Rewrote the contract. Wow. Rewrote the contract with that clause out. Uh, imagine crazy. they'd invited, invented whiteout but at this we point. Were, that would have we been, a, that would have saved some time. But I also had, we could get out of it. But we would still get fifty thousand dollars, because I said I'm not a lawyer, uh, Nelson. So when I give this to my lawyer, I want to be sure it's sure valid. Sure. And he said okay, but I was guaranteed we were guaranteed if we changed our mind, he'd still get fifty thousand dollars for that trip. So, hey, that's a, that's well, a great clause well to done, have. Well so, so we're flying back. We get into and do the press conference, and then we're going to fly back. Walter and Phyllis were getting flown back to Toronto. Wayne and I were getting flown to Indianapolis. Right. And sure enough, it's funny, but not funny. <laughs> There's a lightning storm. In the oh, no. And I thought, I knew this was too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Wayne's not a good flyer no, either. I know that. It runs wow. in the family. Wayne was not a good flyer at all. Oh. And that's that's how that tra- that contract turned wow. out. That is that's fascinating. All the ins and outs. And, and I mean, after eight, eight games, they was Winnipeg was turned down the... the the offer that yep. was offered them because the GM said it was uh, he's not good enough. Oh wow! And now, that's where Peter Parkinson and the Edmonton Oilers. So, so from there though, he's in Indianapolis. They're not making a go of it. How does it get? How does the transaction happen from Indianapolis to the Oilers? They had to pick up that contract. So did Nelson phone and say, "Do you want the contract?" Or did they? Yeah. So he, he, he doesn't like Pocklington. No. They do the press conference in Edmonton just to stick it in his ear. Yep. 
Then they take him back to Indianapolis. It doesn't work out. Yeah. And then he phones Pocklington and says, you want to take this guy off my hands? Yep. That's why I call them friendly enemies. Because <laughs> apparently they would play racquetball together. Very competitive. But they were, I call, that's why I call them friendly enemies. That's amazing. Can, so, I, can I ask good. this question? Because I don't know if you know about this rumor. Uh, do you know anything about the rumor of uh, of the racers with Nalbandian, or Nalbandian, uh, uh, uh Winnipeg, and Edmonton, and a backgammon game? Have you ever heard about these rumors? Yeah, I've heard the rumors. So, yeah. can we just tug on this a little bit? All if right. there's if there's no if there's nothing to it, uh, then we can let it go. But uh, the the rumor is that uh, 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 Nelson had a backgammon game that would essentially include the rights. To, Wayne, to, to get Wayne Gretzky between the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. Edmonton won. But one thing that actually interests me now that you mentioned the earlier conversation is part of the rumor is that one of the things that was up as collateral was a painting. So maybe, maybe there's something to it. <laughs> uh, there you go. I didn't hear the painting. No, you didn't, Dave. Is <laughs> no. there any truth to the rumor no, of the backgammon game? I heard it wasn't true. Okay, yeah, okay. I heard it wasn't true. Now there's that famous photo after... And it was Indianapolis of Eddie Mio and Wayne and who else was in that plane? And they were all getting on the plane together to head to Edmonton. Luckily, Eddie had a credit card. (laughs) (laughs) The the plane flight was $10,000. Oh, wow. He says, my card is already maxed out. I I think I got $1,000. Oh, wow. Something like that. Well, there was more money to be made all all around the the thing. Now, just just so people don't think that I'm just throwing uh, whatever against the wall to see if it sticks. Uh, Larry Gordon, who was the Oilers GM in '78, said he was there during the backgammon game. So I don't know if he's telling tales. Uh, I don't know if he just likes the aura of this being a rumor. But the concept of that is fascinating and kind of works with that quirkiness of Scalbania and just the kind of fly by their seat of the pants. Well, I'll see Wayne next month maybe, and I'll ask him whether he knows anything. About Fair. It. Maybe he'll. I, did, I heard it wasn't too, but I don't know. Well, you would know better than we <laughs> yeah. would. So I, all I know is that Google tells me whatever I want it to but, tell me. So yeah, tell him about that. So, so now he's off to Edmonton, um, which is very timely because he's only 17 or 18 at the time. 17. 17. So now he's got a head start getting all the stats going because sure. if he had them in the WHA, because they never gave uh, Gordy really any credit for WHA stats. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he'd, he'd be greater. But well, it's NHL stats only that really. Well, count. no, because yeah. the the Oilers were still in the WHA, right. yeah. and then uh, but it was basically the year that this happened that it switched over to right. the NHL. So, so, so he's in by eight. Yes, yes, right? yes. So. I mean that's that's a great story, and obviously Wayne's Wayne's career has uh, has has <laughs> flourished okay since career. then. He's 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 done okay. <laughs> um, uh, you you Gus, are you are you still uh, uh, were you involved when Gretzky eventually signed his twenty one year contract? Uh, yes. with, yeah, with the Oilers. My, my lawyer didn't. Because I didn't realize that uh, it was it was that long of a contract. Now, uh, you guys did a good thing of, of putting in there a 10-year renegotiation yeah, clause, well, but... The other reason <clears throat> that I wasn't worried about it didn't matter. The, w, I, the WHA wasn't going to survive. Right, 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 so right. I, I wasn't worried about the length sure. or anything sure. about it. And I thought, if they survive... You've they, got it. Well, it'll get increased. My main thing always was he was never going to be broke. Right, right, right. That, you know, and if he got hurt, if sure. he got hurt the next yeah. day, that was always my concern 
about not being greedy was you got enough here. If you're not stupid, you're going to be okay. Right. If you get hurt and you don't play another game. I mean, that that also speaks to this, <clears throat> this uh, you know, what we were talking about. Uh, to your credit, you know, that method of signing a contract saying, we'll take a little bit less, but you need to guarantee the contract. Uh even if even if the player gets injured, you know, a lot of agents may instead say, no, we want the most amount of money possible because that's my signing bonus and this and that. Uh, I, I think it just speaks more to how uh, the best agents out there are looking out for the best interest of, of the players, um, uh, especially at a young age there. Now, um, with with Wayne, uh, wasn't obviously the only person that you you had 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 done work with. Well, Mike Gartner. Yeah. There was the a great other player. player. Yeah. Edmonton wanted him. I was asking $200,000 a year for him. Okay. And uh, Edmonton couldn't, we were not offering 190. And they couldn't bump it to. And I had to talk to Cincinnati. Oh. And Cincinnati were going to pay me 200 American. That's why he went there. Yeah. Oh. He went there to. Now, now, how how did you start to expand your your player base? Uh, obviously, uh, one of the other famous names uh, you were involved with early on was was Mario Lemieux. Uh, and and I wanna I wanna ask your opinion on on something that happened very early in Mario Lemieux's career. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, Wayne Gretzky, and when he was drafted, he didn't necessarily want to go play in the Sioux. He was never oh drafted in, in, in the Sioux. Uh, um, but the idea of a draft and your responsibility to a team when you're drafted, famously Mario Lemieux, when he was drafted by the Penguins, didn't go up for the ceremonial handshake. And I've I've heard rumors that you had a lot to do with that piece of advice. Do you want to? Are you able to tell some of that story? I definitely had. It was my advice. Was it really? Not. Not an easy advice to sleep on. Sure. Oh yeah. Why don't you can you can you give some some context of of maybe what was going on pre-draft? Uh, Mario and, was just, even though he didn't have a good Mer- uh, Memorial Cup in Kitchener, right? He was the number one player. He was yeah, just phenomenal. Nobody questioned player. that. Yeah. Well, this day and age, I mean, it was a no-brainer. You get three million bucks, and you get all these bonuses. Sure. In those days, you got nothing. Yeah. I'm negotiating with. Here again, I started something. I talked to Eddie Johnson mm-hmm. prior to the a week before the draft. And I'm in Montreal, and I said, Eddie, are you going to pick Mario number one? Oh, good. What do you say? Let's have a coup here. Let's uh, let's do the contract now. Yeah. And then you announce he's number one, and he's signed. Yeah, okay. No. No. We started negotiating. Pittsburgh has no money. Okay, yeah. The owners are... Football people, 49ers. Right. So it got nasty during negotiations. I'm asking this much money. The kid is that dominant. He's the number one. They're offering lower. Eddie, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's number one. Sure. I'm not asking the world here. But at that time, they thought it was the world. Anyways, it got real nasty. They weren't They weren't coming up. But I had told Mario, they're, they're wanting to underpay you. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not right what they're offering, and we have no place to go. Right. I'm going to recommend, you know what, don't go, I'm going to tell them, don't go to the table. Huh. I'm going to tell them, they can tell them, you're not coming to the table, let some other team take them. And and there was no animosity that I wanted them to go to Montreal. I just was so upset. With the way the negotiations were happening. Like I would say, if it was a Swedish guy, they can say, well, I'm going back to Sweden. He didn't have that option. I, yeah, you can go back to Laval. Right. No leverage. No leverage. 
And that was just totally unfair. So my, my last kick at the cat was for Eddie. And I told him, he's not going to come to the table. I said to Mario, his, his parents only spoke to him. So I really never spoke to the parents that much. So he said, guess I'm going to do what you say. And uh, well, my last kick of the cat for Eddie was, look, Eddie, Pittsburgh's putting 7,000 fans in, in this ring. Now I'll go down to what his figure was. was like At that time, it was 300 and a quarter. Mm-hmm. And 500,000 was high. Yeah. That's what I think right. uh, Brian Trotchy was making and those guys were making. Sure. And they were at three and a quarter. I said, they're getting 7,000 fans. I'll go to three and a quarter, but I want $1 a seat for every fan over 7,000. Oh, wow. Wow. That's brilliant. That's so, that's fantastic. And he lost it. Whoa. I said, Eddie, if he puts more bums in the seat, then you got the money to pay him. Exactly. If he doesn't, then, then you, you got to figure you were asking for. Yeah, yeah. I just want him to be paid. What he brings the, to the organization. Those asses are put in the seat. Wow, that's, that's I didn't realize that was the uh, he, the tipping point there. That's, and he went. He went nuts on that. He went nuts on that. Did he ever agree to it? No. Well, three days after the draft was over, because then I advised, advised Wayne not to go to the table. Or Mario. They, they yeah. had this uh, They had this part-time scout from Montreal. He comes up in the morning of the draft. He leans over me to talk to Mario. And he says, Mario, you have no choice. When Eddie mentions your name, you got to get up. And go. I want to punch him right there. <laughs> <laughs> they announce his name. I'm sitting beside Mario. It seemed longer, but it was probably 30 seconds. Probably felt like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it didn't seem long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah. And he got up. And I'm saying to myself, hey, you know, that's his opinion. That's his, he's entitled to make that decision. Sure. So he walks down. He doesn't walk to the table. He just walks right to the the reporters are. Oh. He didn't go to the table. So he just, he just, he, he doesn't do the ceremonial right. handshake. Yeah. Yeah. He just walks yeah. straight past to the he reporters. Does. And then three days later, I got a call and met Eddie Johnson. At a motel outside in Queen Elizabeth, the yep. Queen Elizabeth Way, and it got like five hundred thousand. Okay, so he bumped it, but he, he bumped. you know it's an interesting thing because full circle, when I when Sidney Crosby got drafted, now Mario's an owner in Pittsburgh, yeah, right. And um, I remember going down there for one of the first games, and and if you recall, they were trying to sell the team at the time, yeah, and they were getting you know, the offers weren't anything exceptional. So they're waiting for a good offer. Um, this is the way I understand the story. But I know I went down to Pittsburgh to see Sydney play, and you could grab a seat anywhere in the building. Right. You know, there, the cab mm-hmm. driver didn't know who he was. And yeah, said, yeah. You're about to have a really good hockey team. And they go, yeah, you got this kid coming in, and he's going to be great. Yeah. And But Mario's part of the team. Now, now Mario's still an owner. Right. Yeah. He never sold the team. But – if he if Sydney had that kind of deal, he would. I mean, what he's made that team worth yeah. on his shoulders, yeah. which is what Wayne did, which is yeah. what Mario did, and so to, it's almost like profit share. That's, that's fantastic. It, it is. Well, it really is. Yeah. But was, but that was brilliant because was, that brought him to back to the table with yeah. the right amount. Yeah, he says, if you think I'm going to start a trend like that. <laughs> 
Well, he was probably very smart not <clears throat> to do that because that would that, it could have been more fair. It would it would it's, that is very fair, but that is not well. What, I mean, at what least a, what a uh, a conservative kind of ownership is going to want to do. It's right? he's probably thinking, give an inch, and then what are they? Gonna, and then it's an element of concessions. It's a percentage of the jersey. You know what I mean? So that would so have set a huge bad press. I get where he's coming NHL from, but it's a great thing. idea to basically say, okay, if you don't have money, then and and you're worried about money, here's your solution. Now put up or shut up, right? I'm gonna, like I'm going to jump around here, but Mario's number one, and I got the number two pick, Kirk Muller. Oh, jeez, oh. Kirk. And this is funny. I'm negotiating with the owner, not Max McNabb, who is a hockey man. Right. I know a real nice guy right. besides being a hockey man. I'm negotiating with a very nice man. The owner was very nice. Knew nothing about it. Uh, I'm asking fair money, I believe. And he throws at me. Well, I paid Ray Knight $75,000 for this and that, and he didn't play well, and uh, I'm not going to pay you this much money for this hockey player. Because Ray Knight didn't pay, you know, do what he was told, what he was supposed yeah, to for the yeah. money I paid him. And I said, this is a hockey player. We're not talking baseball. Yeah, right. He, that's all he ever kept talking to me about was, I said to Max, Max, I can't get anywhere with this guy. Yeah. He's, he's talking to me about baseball players. Yeah. This guy not making uh, his $75,000 sure. value. You know, I just can't negotiate with him. I got the guy removed. <laughs> no oh, way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've been through so much at this point yeah. between the WHA, so, the NHL, and all the contract a negotiations. Weeks, a, a week or two later with Max, and we had a contract. Right. Well, so from, from I mean, it shows the influence that that you had. I mean, we mentioned at the at the top, you know, uh, you being very humble about the influence that you've had over the league uh, from from the early days of, of having uh, Sault Ste. Marie rethink their coaching strategy to the way that the Pittsburgh Penguins organization uh, offered contracts to rookies uh, to maybe uh, another another uh, uh, staff change over over uh, at other teams. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of nonstop the the amount of influence that you've had. And it, again, kind of just scratching the surface. Well, I was just going to say, because we are running short on time, but we've covered off how a, a hockey player gets involved with it. it, it and the, a super agent, like Gus was one of the right first super agents in the game to from, from a gas station ownership to a, a coaching job, to helping a player out, to becoming an agent, to becoming a super agent. Right. And, and we've covered off, some of the players, John Tonelli and Wayne Gretzky, that he's been involved with, but there's so much more. So much and I more. Think, I think at some point... A part three eventually. There, there if, will be a part three that we got to get Gus back. He's been so gracious about yeah, his time. Yeah, um, We did a double show today. We did. Um, but it, it's been awesome. Uh, Gus, do you have any uh, any plugs or anything going on you want to tell people about? Push Star Wars? Do, you have a, do you have a book in the works? We got to oh. get a book about you, yeah. You and I are going to talk. You know, <laughs> you know what? I've been... Have you ever done a book? No, I've been asked to do it. You know what? I've I've given it a lot of thought. And I don't want to put anybody under the bus, so I don't want. To. I gave you a copy of Eddie Shack's book. As we're talking about this, it's light. It's easy. You and I are going to talk because it's as easy as doing this podcast. You've got such a great story to tell. You got to get it down. I don't, For now, I'm glad that we've got it here on our podcast this, yeah. and nobody else has it in a book. Well, think about it. There's, there's a way to tell your story without throwing anyone. Nothing we've said today 
puts anyone to shame. I mean, the stories that you're talking about are just stories of the NHL at that point in time. And, yeah, yeah let, let me say, like, Eddie Johnson, I mean, he was doing his job. No, of course. Of like, course Eddie was. and I are good friends. Yeah. I go down to Mario's fantasy camps, and Eddie and I, we're... we're and I never, ever hold a grudge with no. those, those guys. But you know what? But... That's the whole hockey mentality. Yeah. They beat each other up through four yeah. rounds of the playoffs. And at the end of the day, after after hitting and fighting and doing whatever they need to do to, to win a game, they shake hands. Yeah. yeah. It's it's part of the job. Your job as an agent, uh, their job as a, as management. And if he and when Eddie was playing the game, he would have been on the other side of that yeah. coin. Yeah. So there's no hard feelings yeah. there, I'm yeah. sure. Because I knew they didn't have any money. Yeah. Well, because I, because I knew what was going on there was the, you know it was the seven thousand butts and seats. Uh, I wasn't and blaming him when he lost it. He lost it, but no, he's got to sure. do his job. But yeah, I started by saying job. when you mentioned that dollar per seat, I thought that was brilliant. But then on the other hand, I think he was very smart not to well, take yeah. that deal, right? <laughs> yeah. So no, so he was doing his job. You were doing your job. You got to represent the player. He's got to represent the team with what you have to work with. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Well, it's it's been about quite a bit. We've covered a ton of topics here. Gus, thanks so much for giving us that extra hour for the uh, part two of this. And, and hopefully at some point we can get you in for a part three because I have a list of questions I'd still love to run through. Uh, Gus, thanks again for, for joining us on this podcast. For Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth Sports Marketing, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth, this is us signing off. And I haven't even mentioned Paul Cotton. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey. Or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey. Mikey Aaronworth, signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!